As you leave, ladies, I want to encourage you to take uh, the uh, chocolate-covered strawberry made by a dear adventure family uh, for you. Uh, If you were part of the list that I listed, uh, we have a dear family at Adventure that's prepared chocolate-covered strawberries for you, so you make certain that you get those. On your way out, I want to encourage you also to stop by the women's uh, ministry um, section of our communication table. Uh, It features an upcoming uh, Belong Tour Women of Faith event in October. Uh, It's it's October 7th through 8th, and Janita Prasad is one of our uh, key leaders who's really owning that event. If you haven't had a chance to meet Janita, it would be worth your time just to go up and connect with her and uh, be a part of what she's doing. But um, I I would love to see you be able to reserve that uh, for uh, this fall. The challenge I want to give to men and women today, this is a kind of a generic message, but it encompasses um, the biography of a dear woman of the Bible. But the challenge is this. I want you to walk away with this challenge. Here it is. Take a step of faith and laugh at your future. Take a step of faith and laugh at your future. <laughs> Take a step of faith and be, laugh, be lighthearted about your future. How do you recognize it when you're not practicing faith? It's when we're, we're not patient to wait for what God's going to do. Uh, we quit a job or a team because it's just difficult. Uh, we don't see any change in sight. And uh, we, we make decisions based on our own feelings instead of waiting to see how God can grow us into a team, into a position, into a family. And uh, he can do that through tough circumstances. You know, people change when things are tough. They don't change when they're easy. (laughs) Most leadership development happens when you're in tough situations, not simple ones. Uh, Marriage and family life is the same way. It's tough, uh, crucible moments sometimes that really help bring out the best in you and those around you. This morning's narrative is in Genesis. If you uh, came with your smartphone, open it up if you would, and uh, Google uh, Genesis 21, where you're going to see God honoring the faith of a mother and her husband, uh, even when they had some real challenges. And if you came without a Bible and you'd like to track with me with a, with a paper-covered Bible, raise your hand and we'll get a copy to you uh, so that you can follow in Genesis 21. First book of the Bible will help you be there. Genesis 21 and following, uh, verses 1 through 13, I'm going to read, and I'll ask at moments for you to participate if you're able to. Here it is. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. What did he do for Sarah? What he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God promised him. When did Sarah bear uh, a child? At the time God promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old. How young was Abraham? A hundred years old. (laughs) When his son Isaac was born to him, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, 
Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Verse 8, the child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Why did the matter distress Abraham greatly? Because it concerned his son, his firstborn son, I would add. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. What did God command Abraham to do as it related to Sarah? (laughs) Listen (laughs) to whatever Sarah tells you. Because it is through Isaac that your offering will be reckoned. Verse 13, I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Faith is uh, synonymous with the word confidence. Sometimes with faith, I I thought in the past I had lots. Uh, But as I grow as a man, I realize that faith is confidence in what God can do with my family, with my work, uh, with my relationships. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Um, Anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards everyone who earnestly seeks Him. How would you measure your own confidence or faith factor personally? What kind of faith do you have when God speaks His word to you and says, Hey, uh, my peace and my joy I give to you. Do you have the faith to grab a hold of that. What kind of faith do you have when Jesus says, lo and behold, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age? Do you, are you able to grab a hold of that? Um, what kind of faith are you able to have when Jesus says that uh, a sparrow cannot fall from a tree without his father's notice and that he has the hairs of your head numbered? Are you able to say, yeah, I'm willing to absorb that he's or believe that he is fully involved in every detail of my life? What's your faith factor? And how would you know personally that you're taking steps of faith? How would you measure that? I think Abraham and Sarah's journey gives us several insights that'll help moms today, that'll help mother types, and that'll help husbands listen to moms. Uh, The first is, this is how you know you're taking steps of faith. You take a step of faith towards God's wild promise. God gives Abraham and Sarah a wild promise. It begins at Ur of the Chaldees. It begins on this map uh, down on the right-hand side. It's in uh, Iran, modern-day Iran. And uh, he gets called from uh, Haran and Ur of the Chaldees, actually Iraq, uh, to go north uh, for a while and then to go south and uh, to go to what will be a land that he will inherit. And for a lot of the young people here, I'll tell you that this land is still some of the most contested land on the globe. Uh, this is the land of Israel, uh, the center of international conflict, really. This conflict is derived from this promise given to this patriarch, this leader in Genesis. And Abraham followed this wild promise that he would inherit this land. And uh, he followed God. He ended up wandering a little bit, 
Husbands are bound to wander occasionally. And uh, Sarah, Sarah followed. And he, as you imagine, the conversations they had on the pathway. Uh, Uber had not quite uh, broken through unions in the Middle East then. And so they were relegated to just walking all the time and talking. And no doubt, second guessing, what are we doing? <laughs> who, who gave you this vision, <laughs> Abraham? Are you sure we're going the right way? <laughs> How confident are you? <laughs> and no doubt, he, his, his confidence and faith factor was challenged just by those conversations. They traveled, they went to the promised land, and, which was Canaan, and then ended up in Egypt for a season. And then God called them out of there, and they began to serve in uh, and live in what was Canaan, what is now modern-day Israel. These are his wanderings. This was the wild promise that Abraham and he would, through his seed, God would create a nation, a nation that exists today, and a nation that, for the first time in centuries, would actually reoccupy after World War II, would reoccupy the land. It's the first time that's ever happened to any nation that would be extracted and then reoccupy. Uh, they believed in God's wild promise that they would inherit this land. <laughs> what wild promise, personally? as God may be packaged inside of you. Do you have some sort of angst, some sort of uh, personal, I talked about it last week, holy discontent, uh, some sort of personal vision that God's packaged uniquely in you that you sense he's leading you on, where he's promised to bless whatever you're doing. Uh, You've sensed that. You're called to something. Uh, Maybe it's in relationship to your marriage and family life. Um, Mom, maybe it's in relationship to your kids. You, you sense that God's maybe really called one of your kids to do something special or one of your grandkids to do something significant, and you've identified it in them. Um, it's what you sense maybe a promise God's made to them. Uh, God had very clearly given Sarah and Abraham a promise, and the promise was that uh, they would have a child. They would have a family. And uh, this was quite a promise because Abraham was 75, uh, Sarah was 64 when they first entered, when they first entered the land. And uh, this was a promise they had to wait 25 years for God to keep to them. <laughs> you know, it's not unusual when it comes to taking steps of faith that you have to wait. Think about some of the waiting seasons people have to have. <laughs> for 40 years, the Hebrews wandered in the desert. They had to wait. Abraham and Sarah, once they were given the promise of a child by an angel, they had to wait 13 years. Joseph uh, had to wait 13 years in prison. Um, The Hebrews had to wait a total of 430 years before they would actually occupy Canaan, which would become the promised land. Uh, It would be another uh, another 400 years before the Temple Mount would be built, the, the tabernacle. Um, And we, Christ followers, are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. There's a waiting for Christ followers. Uh, And that's part of of a promise fulfilled. Verse 1 says, God did for Sarah what he had promised. How well do you wait? How well do you wait on others when your eyes are burning with exhaustion, moms? (laughs) No one's more tired and needs a nap more than a mom or a... a, uh, uh, a trip to uh, Happy Day Spa. Moms, this is you. <laughs> Will you wait on God's direction as it relates to your career? Will you wait on God for the right marriage partner? 
Um, Would you wander in a promised land for 25 years, waiting on the Lord to do what he said? Would you endure some of the natural dysfunctions and conflict of a blended family to see God fulfill his word? How do you do this? How do we wait? Uh, I think we wait by trusting in God's word, his spoken word. In fact, it's interesting that often in the narrative with Abraham and Sarah, that on a couple occasions, I think the first time is in Genesis 15, that the scripture says that the word of the Lord has spoken. And we know as Christians that the word of the Lord is Jesus. Next week, we start in John chapter 1, and we're reminded that Jesus was the pre-existent logos, the pre-existent word. I believe that Jesus actually shows up in Genesis, not as the Father. Uh, no man has seen the Father, uh, but, but is the Son, the preexistent Son, in the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that gave this promise to, uh, to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child someday. And these three visitors came to Abraham and Sarah, and they said that within a year they would have a son. And after that, Abraham laughed out loud. <laughs> Uh, and Sarah laughed, but she laughed incredulously. She didn't believe that this was really going to happen. And then the Lord said, the Lord said in chapter 18, verse 14, the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Folks, I think that captures in of itself the enduring heart of a mother who believes that no, nothing's too hard for the Lord. How do we wait? We keep our minds on this idea that Nothing's too hard for the Lord. It's much easier to wait when you know everything could change overnight. We're trusting in the Lord. Jesus taught us that our belief, uh, this kind of belief, was the foundation of Christianity. Jesus taught us, his co-worker Paul wrote, that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Um, he quoted this uh, author in Romans. Abraham believed that God would give him a son soon, in his 90s maybe, (laughs) certainly not 100. That faith alone was justifying. The fact that he believed God, that he believed that God could do uh, anything, that nothing was too hard for the Lord, that kind of faith was what we call justifying faith. And this verse in Genesis is quoted again, again in Romans. And it's quoted in the context of the cross, that a person could look to the cross Uh, And Jesus who suffered on it, who died and rose again from it, and by looking to the cross and believing that Jesus died for him or her, a substitutionary death, a person could receive total forgiveness, total empowerment by the Holy Spirit, and a new life and hope of eternal life. That mere belief alone is what opens the door of your life and, and gives you a great promise. Jesus had other promises that he mentioned in John chapter 16. He said, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Jesus said, ask and receive and your joy will be complete. How do you know you're taking steps of faith? Here it is. You're waiting, rather you're willing to wait because you believe that no wild promise is too hard for the Lord. No wild promise is too hard for the Lord. In your life, you don't lose faith because you believe, hey, everything could change. <laughs> I'm not going to start trying to manipulate. I'm not going to start trying to change things myself. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to be enduring like most moms. Secondly, uh, take a step of faith towards a laughable future. 
In chapter 21, you can see in verse 3 that uh, Sarah became pregnant. In verse 2, and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore to him. Now, Sarah, the name means princess. <laughs> what a great name for, uh, for the wife of a patriarch, princess. What a great name to call your spouse or mother type today at lunch. Ironically, they named their son Isaac. Anyone want to guess what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. It was laughable <laughs> that they would have a child in their old age. In verse 7, Sarah says what I think all uh, people of faith want to experience in Christ. Sarah says, God has brought me laughter. Everyone will laugh with me. Imagine the laughter when Abraham and Sarah explained to young marrieds at the mall with children that this five-year-old was not their great-great-great-grandson, but he was their son. (laughs) Imagine experiencing the chuckles from neighbors as they watched Abraham and Sarah, perhaps leaning over (laughs) because of chronic back issues, walking their little five-year-old around the neighborhood. (laughs) Um, Imagine their uh, age-restricted community questioning whether or not they should be babysitting their great-grandchild all the time, why he's living there. And they had to explain, he's our child. He qualifies because he's our kid. (laughs) Uh, Think of the HOA conflict that would create at Heritage Park. Uh, Imagine when when Isaac was was weaned, Abraham threw a a feast for him. (laughs) Can you imagine? Abraham and Sarah were quite wealthy. Uh, Can you imagine... How spoiled and pampered little Isaac must have been. All the little Tonka trucks, the leg of land that he had, he must have had everything because they'd waited their whole life uh, for Abraham to have a son. Let me ask you, when's the last time you had a good laugh? (laughs) They're in their, he's in his centenarian years. Uh, She is 90-something. Do you laugh enough? (laughs) Really, do you laugh enough? I, I would say, personally, no. I love to laugh. I don't get a chance to. I don't seize it enough. Um, uh, sometimes I try to watch an old comedy just to laugh a little bit. Um, Solomon says laughter is good medicine. You've heard that? It's healthy to laugh. Like Sarah, how will you laugh more uh, during your wandering as you wait for God's wild promise? Uh, how do, you, how do you laugh? How do you wait for God's wild promise? Here's, here's what I believe. You pursue Christ-like character now that the promise requires. How do you endure the waiting? You pursue the character now that the promise requires. You ready yourself for the way you think God's leading you by assuming the kind of character, Christ-likeness, that the promise requires. You do what Jesus says, You seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things may be added to you. You pursue Christ. That prepares you to receive the promise. I've so enjoyed watching my mom care for my stepdad. Her energy has been amazing. When I told her that I thought uh, she was amazing, she said, you know what? It's an honor to take care of him. Um, That's character. Um, And when the promise is brought to fruition, we get to enjoy the spacious life. Uh, My fellow pastors and I uh, in the Sacramento area that meet like the idea of following the Spirit in this line of thinking. Uh, We say if we could do whatever 
Christ allowed us to do. There were no consequences. What would we do for Christ? If there were no, uh, no rules, Christ would bless our work. What would we go for? We want to push the envelope for Christ. Abraham and Sarah continue to take steps of faith and laugh at their future. They're in their 90s, they're in their centenarian years, and they're laughing. I think it's indicative that they were people of faith. But their blended family was becoming tense. Did you catch that in the narrative? There's tension. It's restless. How do we move forward with a difficult family situation? I told you earlier, I have a blended family. I've actually discovered that my blended family is a great place for the gospel of Jesus Christ to work deeply. Um, but how do we move toward, uh, forward with difficult family situations? Here's how. You trust God to burden your mistakes. I think this is one of the most encouraging pieces of this verse. Trust God to burden your mistakes. <laughs> uh, you, Ishmael was a teenager. This is Abraham and Sarah's first son. Uh, and he was making life difficult for Sarah. Uh, he was probably 13 to 16 he was mocking little Isaac. Maybe Isaac said dada in a weird Hebrew dialect. I don't know. Uh, but Sarah was tired of it. She wanted Hagar out and Ishmael out. This was very stressful for Abraham. He was Ishmael's father. He loved Ishmael, his firstborn. Uh, then God said, listen to Sarah. On one occasion, Abraham listened to Sarah. It, it would have been better if he had taken a get out of jail card and not. Uh, years prior, probably 20 plus years, Sarah and Abraham were getting impatient waiting on the Lord for a child. And uh, Sarah was not practicing the highest level of faith. Uh, she suggested to her husband that he um, have relations with her servant and uh, they have just kind of a new happy family. That was the way to address the issue. And uh, she gave birth to Ishmael and all of a sudden we have uh, Abraham and Sarah and his and her uh, slave is what they call it, or servant. <laughs> it's, not, it's awkward even talking about this. I'm planning on not dotting my I's and crossing my T's. But this was a tough situation. And uh, it was a mistake. <laughs> uh, they should have been more faithful and more patient. But how many of us have struggled to exercise the kind of faith and patience we've needed to and instead, we've taken matters into our own hands, and we've just said, hey, we got this. God, we understand you're good, but we're running out of time here. We got this. And you step in, you try to manipulate it yourself, get you into trouble. Uh, that's what happened with uh, Sarah and Abraham. And now the family's growing, and there's great tension in the middle of it. Uh, how does God direct Abraham? I love these words. He tells Abraham, first, listen to Sarah. You know, our wives should be our number one confidants. Uh, and I often will go to my wife and say, hey, what's your thinking on this matter? And uh, I listen. <laughs> Normally she says, grow up. And I listen. Uh, you want to have listening ears to your spouse, spouse gentlemen, uh, to your moms. I think they, they just have way, they're stakeholders in your life. You want to be totally, uh, totally there for them. And then, this is what we're reminded of when we look at this passage, is that when we're reminded that what, when what we meant was a matter of faithlessness, or what I call fleshly-led decision-making, pragmatic, logical thinking, God uses these kind of decisions 
for the good, even good for others. He says in verse 13 something very peculiar. I will make of the slave into a nation. He's referring to Ishmael, who, who will become the father of all the Arab nations. He has a future for Ishmael. Ishmael will be the father of the Arabs. His mother will get a wife for him from Egypt. So let me ask you, are you able to trust God with the burden of your mistakes? Our typical nature is to try to fix them all, to bear the burdens ourselves. But here, God clearly gives Abraham's son a future and a hope. God cares for him and gives him the kind of hope. How do we own these mistakes? We own them. We admit we're wrong. We ask for forgiveness. Then we trust the Lord to use our mistakes and provide a future for all those involved. Interestingly, though this family looks separated, both sons will reconcile when their dad passes away. Today, I want to challenge you to take a step of faith and laugh at your future. Continue to grow in faith muscles and trust the Lord. Don't manipulate things yourself. Imagine you're taking a step of faith towards a promise that he has personally affirmed to you through his word and uniquely packaged in you. For you, I imagine this may very well mean an exciting move in your future, a greater challenge, a greater reward. (laughs) Imagine you're taking a step of faith and laughing at an unknown future. Maybe you won't have a five-year-old as a hundred-something, but there may be an unexpected blessing that God has yet to fulfill in your life. Keep praying, keep pursuing the character that fits the promise. Imagine trusting God with the burden of your mistakes. Imagine how God can step in and shepherd those whom you've hurt and provide for them a better way than you ever could have. And know that this separation doesn't last forever. The foundation of Abraham's faith is the foundation of Christianity. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Have you made that decision? That first-time decision to believe in Jesus, what he did on the cross for you, uh, his suffering was a substitutionary death for your sins. It was faith in Christ means, means everything was done for you. It's not what you do, it's what he's done. Uh, that's the biggest step of faith you'll ever take is placing your trust in him. If you haven't done that, why not right now? <laughs> uh, let me lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for... The rich rewards, uh, the future of laughter that we can have in the midst of challenges, uh, the hope that you'll, you'll burden the shoulder of our mistakes. And uh, the best example of your burdening our mistakes is how you burdened Jesus with our sin. Uh, we acknowledge that what he did on the cross was for our sin. We believe in him. If you've never made that first-time decision to trust in Jesus, I want to give you a chance to right from where you're seated. To simply say, I accept that what Jesus suffered on the cross was for me. I want to make him the leader of my life. If you've never prayed that prayer, why not right now? Pray it with me right from where you're seated. I accept Jesus' suffering on the cross was for my sins. I'm ready to make him the leader of my life. If that was your prayer between me and you, I want to acknowledge your decision. Would you raise your hand? Anyone say yes to Christ this morning? And say, yeah, I've trusted in him. I'm ready. Anyone? Anyone out there say yes to Jesus for the first time? (laughs) Heavenly Father, please uh, help us take steps and trust in your wild promise. Trust the fact that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And help us continue to 
let you burden the burden of our mistakes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.